Take your Bibles now and turn with me to the book of Esther. I want to pick up where I left off yesterday. We talked about the, cha- the um, challenge that was delivered to Esther by Mordecai. And you'll remember we talked about how that compares to the challenge that you and I have received as well. Obviously, because of Naaman, the um, decree was sent out, decree of destruction and death on all the Jewish people. And we know that because of sin, that decree of death has been passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And we have been challenged, we have been commanded to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature Despite, as we talked about yesterday, the impossible circumstances that we see in our day, just as Esther did, and praise the Lord for the infinite power of God. He's not asking us to go into the world in our strength, but he says, hey, I'm going to give you my strength to go and to do this. And we also talked about yesterday the immediate response that is needed. Esther couldn't say, hey, well, give me a year to think about this. Give me a year to pray about this. No, the time for her to respond was right away. For you and I, when God speaks, that is when we are to respond. So she receives this challenge. Today I want to talk about point two of my message, the courage displayed by Esther. She gives her response, and I'm going to back up to verse 18 of chapter 4 just to bring us back to to what we talked about yesterday. And I'm going to start reading uh, some new text beginning in verse 15 down through about verse number 3 of chapter number 5. So please follow along as I read Esther chapter 4 beginning in verse number 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there an enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time is this. Now Esther responds, verse 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so... When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Esther. Lord, as we come now to this part of the service, help us, Lord, to set aside those things that would distract us. Lord, help us to see from your word what you want us to see today. Help us, Lord, to be convicted by what we see. Help it, Lord, to change us. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to 
in no way bring this message in the power of my flesh. But Lord, that I'd be empty of myself, that I might be filled with you and filled with your spirit. And Lord, I'm asking you now, please, Lord, would you do that which only you can do? And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the courage that was displayed by Esther, it's interesting as you read this story. In verse 16, she says, okay, Mordecai, here is my answer. She says, I want you to go. I want you to gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. Find everybody that you can find. She said, gather together. She says, I want you to fast. I want you to fast and pray about this. She's saying, this is something that needs to be bathed in prayer because this is a serious situation. As a matter of fact, she said, this is a life and death situation. And she says, just to make sure that he understands, she says, and neither eat nor drink three days. And she says, night or day. She says, this is serious. Pray about this with me. And then she says in verse 16, she says, by the way, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not going to do, that my maidens are not going to be doing as well. She says, I and my maidens will fast likewise. She says, let's gather together in prayer. And then she says, once we have bathed this in prayer, she says, and so then I'll go into the king. She says, and I'm reminding you again, Mordecai, this is not according to the law. I should not be doing this. You don't just walk into the king unannounced. But she says, I'm determined. She says, if I perish, I perish. In verse 17, Mordecai goes and he does as Esther requests. Now, from this particular part of our text today, there's three things that I want you to see. Number one, I want you to see Esther's position, the position that she has as queen. Then I want you to see her prayer, and then I want you to see her purpose. So, first of all, her position. She is queen. We talked yesterday just briefly about how God brought this to pass. It was no accident that she was in this position, that she was queen at this time. I want to remind you, I want to remind myself this morning, where we are in our lives is no accident. God has brought you to this point. He has brought you to the place where you were born, the church that you were part of. Listen, He brought you to this college. He brought you to this chapel service, this missions conference. And He has something special for you. He has put you into the position where you are to have, uh, for you to fulfill the will that He has for your life. Now again, generally, let me mention to you 2 Corinthians 5. I think this is a passage that you've heard once or twice in this chapel uh, area, all right? But Paul says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, watch, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is the ministry he has given to us, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. And the verse you know so well, Thou then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We you and I, who know Christ as our Savior, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are His ambassadors. And by the way, the ministry of reconciliation is a wonderful ministry. Reconciliation, we were at enmity with God because of our sin. But through Jesus Christ, we have been made a friend of God. We've been reconciled to God. And the ministry we have is to tell a lost and a dying world about how they also can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. 
Oh, what a wonderful ministry he's given to us. So the question is, what position particularly does he want you to play in that ministry of reconciliation? Is it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the uttermost parts of the earth? There is somewhere that God has specifically for you. And God has brought you to this place to prepare you for that next step, next step for your life to that uh, ministry in particular that he has for you as you fulfill that general ministry of reconciliation. So Esther's position, no, excuse me, no accident that God has put her where she is. No accident that God has put you where you are. Number two, notice her prayer. Our service to God must be accompanied by prayer. And let me add this. And at times, even prayer and fasting. Fasting is something that I don't think we do enough as Christians. I don't think we're serious enough about prayer. You know, the Bible says, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And we, we know that verse, we quote that verse, we, we, we pray, we pray sometimes a lot. You know, when that test comes that we got to take and we didn't really study like we should have, <laughs> that, that midterm, that final exam, all of a sudden we find ourselves praying. We find ourselves sometimes, I think, praying things that God can't really answer. Like, Lord, I know I didn't study for this, but just give me the answers anyways, you know. Listen, prayer is important, but we got to pray within the will of God. But we're to pray about everything. And so if we're supposed to pray about everything, when it comes to something as serious as getting the gospel into the entire world, oh, I believe it needs to be sometimes accompanied by fasting. I think about the disciples. They couldn't cast out the demon. And finally they came to Jesus and Jesus cast out the demon. And in verse 19 of Matthew 17, the Bible says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And by the way, we like to preach that message about God moving mountains and all the things that come along with that. And our God can move mountains and he does move mountains. But the next verse says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Have you really given serious prayer to what God wants you to do? Have you struggled in prayer with God about being a missionary? I truly believe because of how, believe, how big the Great Commission is, I truly believe that every young person should have a time in their life where they have truly struggled with whether or not God wants them to be a full-time missionary serving somewhere else in the world. Hey, listen, God may say, no, stay where you are, continue on the track you're on, but have you ever even taken that time and prayed and even fasted and said, God, what is it that you want for me? And God, when you show it to me, God supply, meet the needs, open the doors, help me to take one step at a time and do that which you have called me to do. Because when we think about the Great Commission, indeed, it is a matter of life and death. The death of those who die without Jesus Christ and spend eternity in a place called hell. And you and I need to bathe this in prayer. We need to be in prayer for missions. You know, here's another thing to pray about. Pray for missionaries. 
I said, what do you mean? I mean, you know some missionaries. You know some missionaries. I, I showed you two or three that some of you probably know personally, and you know some others that I probably don't know that you know. Hey, take them on as a prayer project. Maybe every day, maybe once a week, pray and say, God bless them and keep in contact with them. Find out what God's doing in their lives and pray. I'll tell you what, it will generate an interest in missions in your heart as you pray for missionaries who are doing that which God's called them to do on the field to which he's called them. And then again, let me mention this one. Would you pray for laborers? I mean, no, listen, would you really pray for laborers? Sometimes we... we it becomes so trite because we hear it so often. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. Are you really, seriously praying for more laborers? Let me, let me just bring it down another notch. Have you ever prayed for more laborers? Listen, I, I quoted it. We've talked about it already. We're going to talk about it the rest of this week. You'll probably hear it many more times in your life. Hey, let's pray for laborers. Let's pray for laborers. Have you ever done it? Let me ask you this. If you say, yeah, I prayed for laborers, do you do it regularly? From the seat I sit in, I see a worldview all the time. I mean, this is something that's it's heavy on my heart every day. Sometimes multiple times a day, I'm praying, God, please send laborers into your harvest field. Oh, young people, when's the last time you prayed with earnestness? Please, God, send laborers into your harvest field. Esther said, this is something serious. This is something we have to bathe in prayer. God put her in this position. God made her a woman of prayer and had others coming around and praying with her. But here's the third thing I want you to see from this passage. I want you to see Esther's purpose. And when I say purpose here, I'm talking about her determination or her resolve, her attitude. She was purposed to do what God had her to do. So much so that in verse 16, she says, I'm going in. It's not the legal thing to do. It's not the smart thing to do, humanly speaking. It doesn't make sense to me, but this is what God would have me to do. We bathed it in prayer, and you know what? If I die, I die doing God's will. That was her purpose. That was her resolve. And you and I, we need to have that same resolve to follow God's will to the end. Leave the cares of the future up to the Lord. Let Him take care of those things. Let's be willing to make whatever changes in our lives that we need to make for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the sake of the gospel. Are we willing to give up the comforts of the United States of America and all the nice little gadgets and things that we have to go to wherever it is God's called us to go to? Are we willing to, with resolve, say, I am going to not only, watch, start strong, but I'm going to finish strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, we have too many people today starting missions and then quitting missions. We don't need any more of that. We need folks who, like Esther, say, listen, I'm in this till I die. I'm in this for the long haul. I am not just going to get started and start with a bang. I'm going to finish strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, young people, let me encourage you. 
have the same kind of resolve, have the same kind of purpose in your heart to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he has called you to do. I thought, I thought about Barnabas who challenges the church in Antioch. The Bible says in Acts chapter 11, verse 23, who when he was come and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And I guess if there's one thing I could leave you with, with today from this message is, please, with purpose of heart, cleave unto the Lord. Know what it is that he has for your life and do his will unto the end. Be faithful to him. Jesus gives some requirements. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then saith Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything this morning. The life of ministry can really be tough. It can really be difficult. Listen, it can be heartbreaking. It can be disappointing. But I tell you what, so can anything else in life. And I'd rather experience all those things in the very center of God's will than to be outside of God's will wondering, well, what, what, what would it have been like had I followed the Lord and did what he said to do? Because in the center of God's will, guess what? He's with me all the way. He's going to empower me to do that which he's called me to do. There is some expense, but it costs something to follow Jesus Christ. You know, I believe it cost him something to provide salvation for us. It's only reasonable that we would give him everything to follow him and do what he wants us to do in our lives. Now, <clears throat> I need to continue on in our text here. They go, they pray. <laughs> Esther says, I'm going in. We come now to chapter 5 in these first three verses. It's interesting as we read this. Verse number 1 of chapter 5, Esther puts on her royal apparel. It's interesting to me, by the way, verse number 1. <laughs> the Bible's very specific. Did you, did you notice that when we read it read through? It says, and she stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house, and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. You say, why so specific? Well, I'm going to give you my thoughts on that in just a moment. So just hold that thought. But notice what happens in verse number two. When the king saw Esther the queen, the Bible says she obtained favor in his sight. You know what that means in the Hebrew? It means he said, wow, she's beautiful. <laughs> Haven't seen her in a while. It's been over 30 days. <laughs> But watch this. The Bible says, And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Think about this. Esther, her maidens, the Jewish people, have just spent three days praying, fasting, and praying. God, make this happen. God, please do the impossible. And can you imagine as Esther now walks there, she stands there right in that place, and as she catches the king's eye and the king invites her to come in and he holds out that golden scepter. Can't you picture Esther kneeling before the king, even putting her hand upon that scepter and in her heart saying, thank you, God, for answering our prayer. Thank you, God, for sparing my life and giving me this opportunity that's beyond me. God, this is not anything I can do. God, this is your work. 
Wow. And the king says in verse number three, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What's your request? You've got a $20 limit. Oh, oh, wait, that's not what he said. It shall be even given thee to half the kingdom. Basically what the king's saying is, you name it, it is yours. So what do we learn here? Well, number one, God answers prayer. God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. We've stressed today so much the need for prayer. And again, let's not just let this become a trite thing of, hey, well, let's pray for this. Or sometimes we say, well, I'll pray for you. And we forget it as soon as we walk away from that conversation. Hey, prayer is important. Why? Because God invites us to come boldly onto his throne, to bring our petitions to him. He wants us to come and ask for those things that for us are impossible, but for him, they're nothing. And we are to go to him in prayer and say, God, would you hear? Would you answer our prayers? And the thing that I love is that God hears and he answers our prayers according to his will. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that I don't have to be fearful to go to him. He says, come boldly. If you will, the scepter's always raised. Hey, come, come, come talk with me. Oh, I'm so glad we serve a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. But here's something else that I want you to see. All of this is being made possible because Esther puts feet to her prayers. Think about this. She puts her faith into action, puts feet to her prayers. Let me come back to the question I asked earlier about verse number one. Why do you think everything is so specific there about what Esther did? Let me give you my thoughts on that. I think really what this is, is what I've just said. Esther's putting feet to her prayers. The Bible says that she put on her royal apparel. Now let me just read into this a little bit. Just allow me a little bit of a sanctified imagination, if you will. Dare I say that Esther, as she's praying, she's thinking this through. Okay, well, if I'm going to go meet the king, i got to think about what I'm going to wear. Now, ladies, I'm a little out of my league here, so you just kind of bear with me, all right? Ladies think a lot about what to wear and how important that stuff is, and I get that. And as a queen, can you imagine, she would go to her closet and she's figuring out, okay, well, if I'm going to meet the king, what do I need to wear? So she's probably going to pick out the dress that, that's the king's favorite. That's the one he really likes. So I imagine her doing that. She pulls that out, puts that dress on, then she's got to think about hair. You know, got to fix my hair just right. Why? Because, well, the king likes it this certain way, so that's how I'm going to fix my hair. I'm going to do it that way, and then... Um, ladies, help me. Isn't there some stuff called accessories? Something like that. You know, I guess that's like the necklace and the bracelet and all those other things that go along with that. Can you, I don't know what a queen's jewelry box looked like, but it's a whole lot bigger than one I've ever seen, I'm sure. But can you imagine if she goes to that jewelry box, she's going to pull out the earrings and the necklace and the bracelet, maybe the one that the king just gave her not long before that, one that would really catch his attention and, 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 <laughs> I guess I better stop here and mention shoes, right? I mean, <laughs> shoes are really important. I, you know, you got to find, I don't know what her closet looked like with all those shoes in there, but can you imagine, you know, hey, this one is the one that matches with the dress. Hey, these will get the king's attention. She's putting feet to her prayers. And then the Bible is very specific there in verse 1 about stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. The king sat upon the royal uh, throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. So I think Esther's thinking through, 
Personally, I think she's thinking, okay, what time of day is best to approach the king? What about his schedule? When will he be where? And she knew he would be on his throne at that particular place at that particular time. And I believe she knew right where to stand. I think she found a spot to where she knew that the king would be able to see her standing there knowing that that could be the end. But she had put feet to her prayers. She had bathed it in prayer. And now she said, God, this is all yours. I'm going to step up and do what needs to be done. And she was at that place in obedient faith. And God honored her obedient faith. Um, I call this the when-then principle. You say, what do you mean, Brother Snyder? When we step out in obedience to him, then God moves. Think about that. You know, it's interesting. In verse 2 there, it says, And it was so when the king saw Esther, that the queen, the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. It was only when the king saw her, that's when she obtained favor. What if she would have sat back in her own little room and sat and said, Well, I'm going to wait for the king to call me. No, she says, We bathed this in prayer. It's time. This is what God would have me to do. She put feet to her prayers. The when-then principle. Listen to this quote. He who prays and prays but acts not on what he knows is like the farmer who plans and plans but never sows. We can sit, we can pray. Lord, please send labors. Lord, please give me guidance. Give me direction and then sit and wait. Well, I'm going to wait till God drops something in my lap and then I'll start serving him. Then I'll start taking some steps forward. That's not the way it works. We're to pray and then we're to go and do what he lays on our heart to do for that day, for that next step that he gives to us. You know, can I, can I give equal time here, guys? We didn't understand so much the dress and the accessories and all that. Okay, but can you imagine if we as guys said, okay, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. And Lord, would you please let me catch a really big fish today? Just, just one. Let me catch a really big fish. So we go get our tackle box, we get our fishing rod, we maybe even go out to the lake, we stand there on the lake and we say, okay, Lord, give me a big fish. And we just stand there. Now, I guess God could make one jump out of the water and hit you in the face. I think I've seen that somewhere on social media. I don't know, okay? It might happen. But you know what? How foolish it would be for us to just stand there and say, God, please answer my prayer. Give me a fish. Or to say, well, I've got my fishing rod here, but, you know, I didn't put any fishing line in it. But I'm just going to trust God. He's going to give me a fish anyways. Here, are we willing to put feet to our prayers? He say, Brother Snyder, what are you getting to? Let me, let me just give you a couple of other examples from Scripture. You know, I thought about when the children of Israel came to the Red Sea. They were in an impossible situation. And God says, okay, here are your instructions. Go forward. Moses, lift your rod and go forward. Can you imagine if the people of Israel would have said, well, you know what, I'm just going to wait here till I see God start to move. Once I see the water start to move a little bit, then maybe I'll start moving forward. No, God says, you move. And as they move forward, as Moses lifted that rod, that's when God began to move the water. The when-then principle comes into play. You know, I also thought about the Jordan River. And again, children of Israel come up to that Jordan River. You know, it was interesting. God says, you start moving forward. And when the the priest's feet hit the water, that's when you're going to see the water start to move back. 
Can you imagine if the priest would have said, no, 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 look, we're, we're going to wait because we want to see God moving first before we get our feet wet. Young people, there's some folks in here that need to get your feet wet when it comes to missions. You need to just start moving forward, doing what you know God wants you to do now, today, at this time, and next month, and the next month, and just continue to follow the Lord and obey Him in obedient faith, stepping out for Him. You know, I also thought about the widow who was supposed to take care of Elijah after the brook dried up. He goes and says to the widow, hey, would you give me a drink of water? Remember, there's a drought going on. That's a difficult thing. And as she turns to go and get him the water, he says, now also would you bring me a morsel of bread? And she begins to explain, no, you don't understand. I'm out here because I'm gathering some sticks. I'm going to go make the little bit that I have. I'm going to make one cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it. We're going to die. That's going to be it. And Elijah says, well, that's, that's a good plan, but here's God's plan. <laughs> Make me thereof a little cake first. Now, if you were that widow, if I were that widow, we might would want to say, well, wait a second. How about if we just use half of it? How, how about if we, well, we'll eat first and then, Lord, we'll, we'll see if maybe you'll provide for the prophet after that. That was not God's plan. God's plan was you make a cake first for the man of God, then God will meet the need. You remember the story. She put her faith into action. She went back. She made that cake, gave it to the man of God. Can you imagine as she went back after that? Her son's hungry. She's hungry. Can you imagine she goes to the barrel, goes to lift the lid and see if there's anything in there? Because she just emptied it out. But now to lift that lid, I think as she's praying, say, God, would you please provide? I believe she's got the scoop. She's ready. And there it is, just what she needs for that next meal. And grabs the oil that she had just emptied out for the prophet. And now there's just enough oil for her and her son again. And I think time and time and time again, she went. And don't you think that every time she went back, she said, thank you, Lord, that I gave to the prophet first. You know what? We need to put some feet to our prayers. You say, how's that work? Well, let me just give you a couple of thoughts and we'll close this thing out. You know, I heard mentioned yesterday, some of you folks here, you need to start working on your passport. You know, hey, you think a, a, a trip's coming up. How sad would it be that the trip finally comes available? God puts it in front. Oh, well, I got to get my passport. Let me tell you, passports don't come in a day. Get your feet wet. Start moving forward. Get ready for whatever it is God has for you. How about a missions trip? We've heard about a few of those already this week, haven't we? Amen. Hey, maybe it's time to step up and say, hey, I'm going to take a missions trip. I want my eyes to affect my heart. Get your feet wet. How about publicly surrendering to missions? You know, maybe it's been in your heart and God's been speaking to you, but you know that as soon as you publicly say, God's called me to missions, boy, that's it then. Yeah, that's okay. Why don't you just step up, get your feet wet and say, the next step God has for me is to say publicly, God's called me to missions. Then you're going to have a whole bunch of people around you to be accountable to and that will help you along the way. What about uh, something like Camp Bimmy? And I've heard several other type, similar things mentioned this week already. I, I don't know about you. Listen, if I were a young person, even half interested in missions, Camp Bimby would be on the top of my list to be at, at BIMI. I'm telling you what, it's an amazing opportunity. And by the way, there's other opportunities similar to that over in the gymnasium. Check them out. Maybe you just need to get up and get your feet wet and say, you know what, I'm going to go to a week of that and see what God does. Are you willing to get your feet wet and say, God, I'm going to trust you? How about just something as simple as 
going through and talking to the reps over in the gym, not because it's an assignment, but because you want to see maybe what God's going to do. God will give you direction through those things, but he expects you to take those steps of faith and say, you know what, it's time to get my feet wet. I'm I'm going to move forward because this is what God has for me. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we get so nervous, so scared that, well, is is God going to really provide? Hey, whatever God orders, he pays for. God's never going to call us to do something and then say, okay, you're on your own. No, the songs that we heard today, Matthew 28, all power has been given unto him. Now it's available to you and I. And he says, move forward in that power. I mentioned yesterday, missions is easier today than it has ever been, humanly speaking. Listen, do you, do you think, what do you think the Apostle Paul would do if he had 31 mission agencies saying, hey, can we help you? Can we help you? Can we help you? Paul didn't have that. Paul just said, God's called me and I'm going. He had a sending church. They prayed for him. They sent him. Guess what? God provided every step of the way. God's going to do the same for you if you'll step out for him. But guess what? You have mission agencies and men and women of God standing there to help you along the way. Are you willing to get your feet wet? I'll end with this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Every work of God that he calls you to do, he says, I will have the grace to match it. He says, but I just expect you, as you bathe it in prayer, to respond in obedient faith.